0: Hey, real quick, want to shout out the winner of last week's podcast episode. Thank you for participating. Thank you for everybody who has sent out the DMs and figured out which animal was playing in one of our episodes. It's the only episode that we play the animal at the end, and it was for a giveaway. And shout out to at CareBear on Instagram for winning. The items will be mailed to you sometime next week, or this week, rather. Now and tuned into the motherfucking greatest. <laughs> <laughs> More uh, games and podcast giveaways coming soon, and the same goes for Instagram. Back to the show. You are listening to High TV, your place for cannabis news, insights, and information. If you're new to this podcast, you're newbie. What's going on, newbie? Welcome to the show. Hope to see you soon. Just know when Monday morning comes. And this podcast plays in your cars, and your headphones. You will be the most informed person in cannabis in your circle. Stay tuned and stay high, folks. ITV. Welcome back to another episode of High TV's Cannabis News Now. Now, if you're a long-time listener, I know you guys enjoy getting your cannabis fixed, and you've had, we've had a few episodes in between that highlighted High Rant. And, of course, we're going to continue the High School series that you've seen on Instagram. Now, if you guys haven't noticed, just a quick background, it looks like Instagram is not really being friendly towards cannabis at the moment. Why the sudden change, I don't know. But if you right now go on your Instagram and type in hashtag weed, which is one of the most popular hashtags in the world on Instagram, you'll see that there's a note that says that it seems like many posts that are under the weed hashtag violates their terms of service. Now we've seen the brunt of this backlash towards cannabis posts on Instagram where our videos get less views, our posts get less and less exposure and shown to less and less of our followers. I mean, of the 35,000 followers we have gained over this time, it seemed like only a portion are getting shown our posts. Just probably about two years ago, if we posted a video that probably really matters, or a cannabis news video that matters to the community, we would see that those videos have gotten over 10,000 views, and even some videos have surpassed, or one in particular has gone even to reach of 100,000 views, while at the time we probably only had about 10,000 followers. So the math doesn't add up. And the reason is, I believe Instagram is just having more success really promoting influencers and uh, businesses on the page because those are the ones who pay. Cannabis users can't really pay for Instagram services because they violate their terms of agreement. But... Complain. i mean honestly i know it's what was it what was me and all this other stuff i'm not complaining i'm just letting you guys know what's going on so if you are a listener you enjoy our post please make sure you take your time out to like or comment or just engage with our posts overall share it with a friend because the more you engage with the post is the more our posts on instagram get shared and it's the more people that's going to be informed about what's going on in the cannabis industry So, for today's episode, we're going to talk about a few stories, okay? First, of course, the vaping epidemic seems to have uh, boiled down, okay? A lot of companies, as you know, who had vitamin E, acetate, and any of their vaporizers have gone the way of taking it out. You have CannaSafe, who went went along and decided to, hey, look, we're going to allow these uh, cannabis companies to get their products tested, and we are going to test them without taking any money from them just as a way to help the general public. So we've seen that there's a bunch of uh, companies who have signed up with CanSafe, and now you know as a cannabis user if your cannabis product is safe or not. Pretty smart, right? Basically, CanSafe is a third-party uh cannabis testing system that allows people to know whether the products they're using is safe or not as you know there's some instagram pages out there you know like what Boof something and uh, blacklist xyz who sees it as their right to go ahead and post cannabis studies or not cannabis studies cannabis lab tests on products and let you know what's going on in the industry shout out to uh blacklist xyz for hitting a hundred thousand followers even though my guy is shadow banned. so shout out to him I remember way back when, when a dude only had like 5,000 followers, wanted to work together, and I helped him out with a repost, a couple here and there, and even now, as he has grown towards having his own page, I rep- repost some of his stories. So, even though we're not growing as we used to, I'm glad to see someone else is growing on Instagram, because at the end, we're all in this together, we're all a part of this cannabis community, and we just want to see it grow. So, as you as you said before, here, here are the stories for today's episode. 75 percent of Canadians say legalization has no impact on workplace safety also Nebraska police have found a way to test and determine whether something is a CBD hemp product or a THC product last but not least we're going to talk about Canada Canada well of course you mentioned other Canada story but Canada study has shown that they have grown now this is crazy Canada cannabis legal cannabis has contributed to 8.6 billion to Canadian GDP post-legalization. Now, why is that important? You have to understand that Canada kind of serves as our test. Testing the water. You know, like you go into the shower, you stick your hand out in order to feel if it's too warm or too hot. Or even like if you're outside in the pool. I know it's a winter time, so you're not really going to the pool. But if you're in Florida, chances are you're still hitting the pool. You dip your toes in it. You see how it feels. Is it good to jump in? Is it good to go into the shower? And that's what cannabis is. It's our test. It's our litmus test to see what exactly a nation looks like when they fully legalize cannabis and so far it's looking so good before we get into that as mentioned the vaping epidemic has dialed down and good news for some and bad news for others where vaping sales have this or excuse me vaping studies have shown that the sales are slowly bouncing back and rebounding Clearly, clearly, a lot of people were worried about vitamin um, vitamin E acetate, worried about catching this lung disease, worried about getting sick. And so cannabis con- consumers who watch the news and believe everything they see on the news decided to listen. And if you watch any of the Good Morning America, the Today Show, anything, all of them have said, don't use vaporizers, just don't use it. And chances are, those are the people that don't even vape anyway. So they see this story, they jump onto it, and they tell you not to use it. But you know what? They have a fair point. The human body has not gone through evolution for thousands towards millions of years to ingest anything candy flavored in its lungs. So naturally, there's going to be a bad response. However, as these tests tests have shown, the majority of people getting sick are by those who ingest black market vaporizers. You got to understand, black market vaporizers are unregulated. Therefore, their main goal is to make a profit and to make money. So in order to make money and make that profit, they split their product and cut it with all these thickeners, vitamin E, acetate, and all these other BS that gets you sick, but it stretches their product and they make more stuff. And that's that's a good thing about this happening. There's always a silver lining in everything in life, people. Remember that. And so the good silver lining that comes out in this story is that now that we've seen this vape hysteria happening, whether it's caused by the tobacco industry or everybody else is trying to slow down the growth of vaporizers in the sector, it is allowing for regulation to happen in some way. It's allowing for those people who do produce vaporizers to make sure they're putting out good products. At the end of the day, you don't want to be a company, well, for most people, you don't want to, unlike dank vapes, you don't want to be a company who gets people sick kills people that's just not the business we're in, in cannabis cannabis has not killed anyone in in over the last two thousand years since they've been using it in egypt and in ancient china but uh yeah so good news in the vaping industry we're bouncing the b- bouncing back slowly but on the other end is a bad story that happens with this whole vape hysteria in those places where vaping is still banned such as massachusetts i believe michigan uh la and a few others in California who have also followed a trend of banning vaporizers until they get to the bottom of it and find out why exactly it is. A lot of these companies whose businesses are centralized around vaporizers aren't really seeing the sales because their products are banned, they can't make money. They're sitting literally on inventory that are probably meant to last months and they can't sell a damn vape. We even had one company, I forgot their name. I was a candy pens, no not candy pens, it's one of those pink boxes, don't remember the name, but they got caught selling their products black market. Remember we, remember, we we predicted this on, I predicted this on this podcast where I said, hey, look, the only two moves these guys have once they ban vaporizers in their state is to either sell their product to the black market, which is probably not a smart thing to do, if, especially if you have C to sale, but whatever, sell your product to the black market, uh, Still make money from the inventory you have and then probably take the slap on the wrist fine that happens with these companies anyway, like Facebook getting a $5 billion fine for their participation in a Russian manipulation of our election. I mean, what's $5 billion to a company like Facebook that makes over $100 billion a year? That's nothing, bro. That's like you having, you know, a cool $10,000 in your bank account and getting a ticket for 50 bucks. You can handle that. You got $10,000 in the bank. But needless to say, this whole podcast is not about, you know, tech news or Facebook, it's about cannabis. So we want to, you know, hopefully those companies out there who are vaporizer dominant and their main product is to sell vapes, they come out on top and they'll figure out a way to make sure their products are safe, communicate that to their users, and hopefully their sales will bounce back over time as we're seeing slowly but surely in legal states. Now moving on to Nebraska. Nebraska police have determined a way to determine whether a product is THC or CBD. As we mentioned in earlier episodes, Florida, as you know, Florida is one of the states who have one of the biggest cannabis markets in the country. They're the third largest population. So naturally, a lot of people here, especially the older folks, gravitate towards products like THC to help with their pain, or even CBD to help with the pain, inflammation, or any other ailment that CBD can help with. So naturally, when they legalized hemp federally, it looks like Florida unknowingly allowed the sale of hemp flowers, even though they say it's illegal, of course, but there's no way for the police, ex- at least in Florida, to determine whether it's CBD or THC. So in order to confuse law enforcement and, and, and uh, prohibit extra spending that, you know, these sectors don't really have the money for, because, you know, these politicians are giving money to the cops. The money's going to their pocket. But <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> Uh, Nebraska found a way to test whether a product is above 1%. The story goes as this. The Douglas County Sheriff's Office in Nebraska has reportedly developed a test to determine or differentiate hemp from THC-rich cannabis. The Sheriff's Office said that the test can determine whether a plant of marijuana is approximately above 1% THC. Now, as you guys know, because you're cannabis experts, or if you don't know, hemp is considered a cannabis... Product that is below 0.3% THC. If you have more than 0.3% THC, they're going to consider your product to be weed, cannabis, something to get you high because it has more THC than it should, quote unquote, legally. So, naturally, if your product's above 1% THC, you're not having a CBD product, you're having THC. So, for those of you who ask in the comments, you know, will they be testing in the airport whether your CBD product is THC or not? In my personal opinion, no, I don't think they will because. In my eyes, if they're testing for, you know, whether it's THC or or CBD, they're most likely looking for explosive anyway. To waste TSA's time in determining whether a vaporizer that helps your anxiety and your joint pain is weed or not is a waste of their time. They're not police. They're not cops. They're, They're there to protect the airport, its patrons and, you know, overall flight in America. So TSA, if you're listening, check for explosives, leave the weed alone, all right? It's not hurting nobody, and it's not going to blow up anytime soon, at least I don't think so, unless they got that fire, <laughs> unless they got that heat, they got that gas, that maybe maybe might do something to everybody on the plane, but other way, in other words, just leave it alone, and you guys should be good. So if you're in Nebraska out there and you have CBD, if you have hemp flowers, please be safe, because as you know especially because now it's hemp harvest. A lot of hemp is being produced and we're having more and more hemp farmers being legalized and operational in 2019 than we have had ever before in this country. And so with that being said, not only is the hemp price going to crash, but there are going to be more people in the industry who aren't as experienced and aren't going to follow protocol. And I guarantee you a lot of the flower that's being sold is going to be hot And hot in the hemp industry means that it's above 0.3% THC. Now, naturally, the police will let you rock if your THC is probably like 0.4 or 0.5, because at the end of the day, you can't really control that. Because, you know, when you test cannabis, it may come out as 0.3 in one test. It may come out as 0.7 in another test. But as long as in Nebraska, your product is not sore above 1%, you're you're a-okay. I just hope that this technology that they discovered doesn't really, you know, transcend towards other police departments because we just don't need more people getting arrested. And for instance, the next story, I don't have all the details here because it was kind of depressing and I wanted to just focus on other stories, but it's still important. In states where cannabis is legalized, FBI have determined that cannabis arrests have been even higher before legalization ever occurred. Now, what are they doing? Are they just saying, oh, man, you better get all the cannabis arrests we can before they stop it overall? Like, for what? If you know that cannabis is legalized, why are you even pursuing it? Why are you even arresting people? You know that it's, not a, it's a non-violent crime. Get the people who are selling crystal meth, who are killing people off, you know, making their teeth fall out. You know what I'm saying? Get the drunk drivers out there who are killing people who are innocent on the road, just trying to get home to their families or whoever to get home to. We all know that alcohol has caused way more travesties in our world, on our planet than weed has ever done. All right. How many sexual assaults have happened due to alcohol use? How many suicides have happened as a result of alcohol use? And how many people have gotten domestically abused because of alcohol? Now, I don't see weed being associated with any of these things. Excuse me. If weed is associated with anything negative, it's most likely getting you tired, perhaps getting you unmotivated, right? Or having you eat things you shouldn't eat because you have the munchies. And you know what I'm saying? When you have the munchies, something that's fatty and salty tastes all the better. All right? So, Nebraska, I kind of commend you guys for, you know, making sure you have some type of distinction. But it's Nebraska, what the hell is in Nebraska anyway, right? Just Let's just hope it stays in that little, you know, rural middle America and doesn't transcend towards the other places where it actually matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like New York, LA. Like New York, Florida, you know, other places. Uh, so moving on. We're going to talk about our uh, cousins up north. So we're going to start with one can one Canada story, and then we're going to move on to the main story, which is the $8.26 billion GDP that Canada has produced since legalizing. And as we said before, it is very, very, very important because if Canada is successful in cannabis, we know that America will be too, and chances are that means For all our international listeners, that means your country could be next. Could you imagine being in your country, not having to worry about weed, not to worry about being arrested, being able to wake up, light up and do what you have to do? You know what? Some of what I'm describing is happening in Canada right now. You know, in fact, 75% of Canadians say legalization had no impact on workplace safety Now, as you know, when there was anti-legalization going on before all these other states legalized and jumped on board, the politicians were singing the same tune. What about the kids? The children? What about the children? They're unsafe. They're not going to go to work. They're not going to go to school. They're (laughs) the kids. Bullshit. Right. We all know it was bullshit. These all these ideas to try and negate the fact or promote the fact rather that cannabis is some type of social detriment. As Bob Marley said, alcohol is the destruction of a nation of a nation and cannabis is the healing. And that's exactly what we're seeing by this study in Cal in uh, Canada. So according to the ADP Canada study, three out of four Canadians believe cannabis legalization has not had an impact on health and safety incidents at the workplace as you know many workplaces kind of keep on board it's been this many days before we had an incident and so the the main culprit is like oh yeah if we had an incident chances are they were drunk and chances are they were high that's why when workplace incidents happens They have drug tests that happen immediately. And and you better have some synthetic pee or something in your locker. Because if not, you're shit out of luck and they're going to fire you because you failed your drug test. You had alcohol in your system. You had liquor in your system. And if you're Denzel from Flight, chances are you got cocaine, liquor, and weed all in your blood at the same time. But somehow you landed a plane upside down. Great movie. Tragic. Didn't like the message that the guy was just like a raging alcoholic that couldn't fix himself. But either way, it was a good movie. Shout out Denzel for taking a role that didn't make him seem like a demigod because, you know, that's very humbling of an actor. But continuing on, getting off topic. So a strong majority of respondents said that legalization has also had no impact on productivity. 74 percent, in fact. Right. And it's 71 percent said it had no effect on absenteeism. Now That's just a, you know, college degree level way of saying people just showing up absent from work overall. And 70% said that weed and legalization had no effect on work quality. Listen, this is percentage in the 70s. This is not percentage in the 50s, percentages in the 60s. This is percentages in the 70s. A majority, a vast majority of Canadians are saying that after cannabis have legalized, there's no impact on, on work productivity. It's relatively the same. And they're probably saying that by the numbers, not just by their opinion, right? They're saying it has no effect on people being absent more than they were before they legalized it. You know, was it last year? And it had no effect on work quality. So all these arguments that these politicians spew out their mouths relentlessly in order to try and deter people from even considering cannabis being legalized, predominantly the older folk. You know, who grew up in 1950s, you know, leave it to beaver America, where they were raised under Reagan, you know what I'm saying? Put the weed down, weed is bad, or just say no, as, what's the name you used to say? Well, Mrs., uh, Mrs., I just said his name, it's not Roosevelt. I can't think. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. The, uh, the, the the war on drugs, there's a failure. And Canada's showing you just how much of a failure the war on drugs was. Was the war on drugs really about targeting people in inner cities who were more likely to tend to drugs because of the harsh environmental conditions that they lived and grew up in that causes trauma that they just couldn't fix without having some type of drug there to have them escape their reality because the reality was so bleak was the war on drugs really about preventing the dangers of marijuana or was it just preventing the Rise in retaliation, in activism, in protest that occurred in the '60s as a response to the Vietnam War, and of course the way minorities, and particularly blacks, were being treated way back in the 1960s. Reagan and Nixon are on recording in a conversation, talking about how you know how ter- they just said racist things. They called black people monkeys. <laughs> I mean, was it war on drugs about protecting Americans or just? You know, trying to target black people and also those, you know, quote unquote hippies who protested the war and they're all about peace and love. Nixon said himself, the biggest threat, I'm gonna try to do a Nixon accent. The biggest threat to this country is hippies and blacks. They're reading books and they're smoking weed. We have to stop it and we'll. <laughs> I can't do a Nixon accent. Listen, I was nowhere. I was, I was. I probably wasn't even swimming by the time Nixon was in office. Y'all, I'm too young to even know what he sounds like. But that's what I presume. The dude, the dude had a big nose on his face. But uh, anyway, back to the news, right? Because you guys get kind of ticked off when I veer off topic. But uh, the story still follows. More than 70% of Canadians believe that legalization had no effect on productivity, you know, work absence, or work quality. And the story continues, folks. I mean, it's all good news here. Numbers, men lie, women lie, but numbers do not. And that's what these numbers prove here coming out of Canada. And in all, 86% of respondents indicated that their employer does not permit cannabis use before, during, or after work. Now, let's, let's be honest. If you're an entrepreneur, you own a business, chances are you really don't want your workers drinking any type of alcohol while they're on the job or before they come to work. The same thing goes for weed. If I'm, you know, running a business that produces multi-millions of dollars and we have assets at risk and clients to lose, I want you at the top of your game. I don't want you playing around and I want you to protect my business. So that's why most employers don't allow people to smoke weed before, after, or during work. Now get this study, man. Of the 8% that said that cannabis use was allowed in the workday, here's as follows. 60% of those people, or 67% of those people Who use it? Excuse me. Of those eight percent of people who say that they do use cannabis, even though their employer says not to, shout out to all of y'all. Y'all should listen to High TV and follow us on Hip International because I want to be a part of your team and I want you on my team. All right. I like renegades. I like those people that stand up against any type of rules and laws. That's just my personality, right? Insubordinate. But anyway, the point is, sixty-seven percent of those people, or I'm messing this up, guys. I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna fix it. I've been doing high ramp for so long, I forgot to do the news. So 8, 8, 8, 8% of cannabis users who use weed, even though the workplace says not to. 60 67% of them are using it before work. 47% of them are using it during work. Now, y'all some gangsters. Y'all using weed during work. That means y'all going into the bathrooms, popping a weed edible, or let's be honest, even though the baby epidemic is going down, a lot of you guys are puffing a weed pen on your lunch break right i mean there's a reason why people are so excited for lunch breaks you get the puffy little vape pen gets a little munchy action going and eat down whatever food you're eating and going back to work relax and not stress because janice is complaining about some type of BS that no one cares about right and jim is acting and jim is back asking can you make those copies please shout out to office space And last but not least, 72% are consuming it after work, which is natural, right? If you're a cannabis user, chances are you enjoy using cannabis and you've found out a way to make it a functional part of your day. And for many cannabis users, it's not about just getting high to enjoy yourself. It's about really improving your quality of life. And that's the thing that people don't realize. They may think that, you know, cannabis may slow you down, but for some people, it allows them to be operational. I know when I first started using cannabis, I noticed how much more social cannabis made me. I, I made me connect not only to just people, but all living things. You know, what I'm saying I cared about, you know, not running through a, a flock of pigeons when I was in my car in their middle of the road. I'll stop. It made me, you know, care about others on a more deeper level because I was under the influence of cannabis, which I think is a side effect of just taking something as natural as cannabis, anyway. Right. Continuing on among the work working Canadian public, just four percent are doing it, doing work and five percent are using it before work and six percent after work. So to explain the numbers you're hearing. So when I said the first few set of numbers, right, those were pertaining towards the eight percent who use cannabis, even though their employer says not to right? Those who are brave enough to even answer yes. Like, chances are, if you're a cannabis user, you're too paranoid anyway to say that, yeah, I smoke weed, even though the, my employer doesn't want to, right? The 8% of the badasses who don't care know that weed is legal and say, what's you gonna do, fire me? Come on, it's Canada, eh? You can't fire me, eh? This is Canada. What are you, what are you saying, dog? You're firing Okay, I can't do a Canadian accent. Shout out to my Canadians out there. Much love to y'all. Y'all like our big our little cousins up north, you know what I'm saying? Really polite. You know, our, our, our parents are always bragging about how How well-mannered you are and shit. Like, come on. Canada, we love you. Maple syrup. The Toronto Raptors won a championship. We love y'all. And and we love Drake, right? Well, some of us do. And the second set of percentages I mentioned are of the 4% that uh, say that they use cannabis, but their employer is not okay with it. So, yeah. Remember, again, the 8% is mentioning people who allow their users to smoke cannabis. And the 4% is from the people who do not or shouldn't be using cannabis in the workplace. Of course, I'm jumbling my words, but I hope you guys understand the gist. Canada is legalized. Some employers allow their people to smoke weed. Some employers don't allow to users to smoke weed. Most employers don't allow their users or their workers to, to smoke weed. However, you do have some that still smoke weed anyway. And of those employers who allow their users to smoke weed, we're seeing a 67% use it before, 47% use it during, and 72% using after work. And again, if you're a cannabis user, you're going to be able to use your weed and smoke it because it keeps you going. It keeps you healthy and chances are cannabis saved your life in some way. If you're listening and you're in the Miami area, we have an event coming up coming up in 2020. Stay tuned. It's about propagating and celebrating the fact that cannabis not only gets you high because that's what all the weed parties in in, uh, Miami are. Like the ones that I've thrown in the past. Listen, cannabis can save lives. Cannabis have saved lives. And on a daily basis, when I go to work, I hear about how cannabis are affecting people's lives for the better. People are walking now. All right. People are, are not feeling anxiety attacks and panic attacks they were getting relentlessly because they probably had an endocannabinoid deficiency. And just taste. Look, stay tuned. We've told you a lot of things that we I probably predicted to happen in the future, which I don't know they're going to. But some of the things do. So I'm going to put it in the air anyway. Endocannabinoid deficiencies is going to be something you're going to hear a lot more the more cannabis becomes acceptable in our nation, which is very vastly becoming much more acceptable. You know, it's on par to, to be viewed as a uh, vice or substance we use on par with alcohol. And endocannabinoid deficiencies lead to a lot of things, one of which can be insomnia, depression, anxiety and a bunch of other autoimmune diseases that can generate from endocannabinoid deficiency. You know, the endocannabinoid system is just an important integral system in our body, similar to our circulatory system, our skeletal system, you know, our argumentary system, I mean, all of these system, nerve our nervous system is just as important to regulating different parts of our body to regulate and keep homeostasis. Now, for those of you guys who don't remember, you know, high school biology or that one biology class you need to take to get a degree, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Homeostasis is basically a. Uh, homeostasis is the body's way of becoming balanced. The body always wants to be balanced. And when the body's not balanced, that's when you see disease occur. That's when you see sickness occur. That's when cancer arises. So the reason why cannabis is so good at, you know, eliminating cancer is that it causes these damaged cells, these cells that are just broken. Imagine you have a factory where the factory is just, imagine, ever seen Child's Play 3 when they were in the, They're in the factory and they were producing dolls. And then once they uh, messed up the factory, they were just piling piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up dolls to the ceiling because the factory is messed up. That's what happens when you have a cancer cell. There's something wrong in the DNA there or some type of, you know, it's called a mutagen that causes the cell to just grow crazy. And when cells just grow crazy, it sucks up all the nutrients around it. And so your you know, cancer cells are pretty genius in the way they operate. They can really take your own blood supply from your body to feed itself. That's crazy to me, right? I mean, that's how intelligent. I, I'm not saying that these cancer cells are intelligent, but just the mechanism and how they operate is pretty interesting. Probably going on a bio nerd rant, but either way, I'm helping you understand you know, why cannabis is so amazing because cannabis can tell those cells that are unoperational, inoperational, and malfunctioning to go ahead and kill itself. You know, as brash and as unscientific and medically accurate as that sounds, just to keep it real with y'all, that's what happens with cannabis. Apoptosis means that a a cannabis, apoptosis is basically a cell destroying itself. And cannabis allows and facilitates cells to kill itself. And so hopefully, you know, not only does your body eliminate cancer like over a hundred thousand times a day because your body naturally has what onco cells or anti-onco whatever it's fucking called i don't remember but you have cells in your body that tell cells to kill themselves naturally it's just in some people when you have an endocannabinoid deficiency you aren't able to inform those cells to kill themselves as they should and that's why sometimes cancer develops. So with that being said, we already mentioned what's happening in Canada. Workplace loves weed. Weed is a good thing in Canada and we're seeing no effect on productivity effectiveness or absentness at the workplace. So all those stereotypes on stoners and all this other stuff, it's BS, all right? Cheech and Chong was a movie, it's not a reality. Chances are we have way more successful stoners out there in the world than we do have those who are just lazy and wanna smoke weed. If you're lazy, you're gonna be lazy on weed, okay? That's just the truth. If you're a hard worker, you're gonna be smoking weed and working hard, all right? Weed is just something that allows you to transcend yourself to a certain level of consciousness, relax, and even provide health towards your body that it desperately needed aka endocannabinoid deficiency that can be cured by taking an adamant amount of cannabinoids and the thing is people think that they take THC because you know they feel nice but some people really take THC for a medical reason not knowing it's a medical reason they're taking it it's really amazing right they find out later in life the reason why they were such a weed smoker is because they had these elements in their bodies that potentially somehow the body knew that cannabis was doing something good for it. So it said, yo, go back, roll up again. All right, cop some more. I know I know, your drug deal takes forever, but go ahead and cop again. All right, just don't eat five gummies at a time. because You'll throw up and get sick. Uh, anyway, random, random side or whatever it's called. I'm gonna go. We're gonna be back from the break. As you can tell, it's three o'clock in the morning. I've been exhausted all week. I told you guys in the last episode I came back from New York not too long ago. Um, I kind of out the loop, but the content is there. The format will get better. If you're a long-time listener, much love to you. You are the MVP. You are high fam, and I love having you a part of this high fam. So stay tuned after the break. We're gonna talk more about cannabis and how it contributed $8.26 billion to the Canadian GDP. Stay tuned, folks. Be right back. Hey, real quick, we'll get right back to the show. As you know, hemp harvest season is here. Hemp Harvest 19 is occurring, and you're seeing all the large hemp colas happening on Instagram. You're seeing all of these hemp that is drying. We have sourced and partnered with a farm in Colorado to provide you, high fam, with hemp flour. Hemp biomass and even hemp seeds. So if you're interested in any of those three, again, that is hemp flour, hemp biomass, or hemp seeds. Go ahead and email us at hempinternationalco@gmail.com or DM us today. We've already gone ahead and sent out some purchase orders for some hemp flour and some hemp seeds, and we can go ahead and do the same for you. Okay, hemp season is here. It's not around the corner. You don't want to go ahead and buy once all these big companies come in and they've taken all the good flour. Get your orders in a day. And now we're back to the show. And we are back. Hope you guys enjoyed our first half of the episode. Just a quick recap. We talked about Nebraska, how they discovered a way to test if a product is indeed a CBD or THC product by determining if it's above 1%. We also talked about Canada and how Canada, 75% of Canadians say that legalization had no impact on workplace safety. And of course, this is a godsend because of course, you know, there's arguments ahead against legalizing cannabis now if the workplace and and employers can see no detrimental effect by legalization in one year's time chances are employers for years to come will feel the same way and keeping canada in conversation keeping our cousins up north eh? (laughs) that was so corny keep keeping our canadians in conversation we're going to now talk about how cannabis contributed to 8.26 billion of the canadian gdp or grand or uh gdp post legalization so, we're gonna do is read off here the article or segments from the article, and then we're gonna go in and talk about why it's important and how we've seen how legalization here in the states have produced positive reactions and circumstances that weren't predicted before legalization. So it goes as follows: The 8.26 billion that Canadian GDP has shown post-legalization is an increase from the 1.24 billion from last October. When cannabis was legalized throughout the country, that rise corresponds with a decline in other traditional industries, Hmm. like mining, construction, and manufacturing. Now, that's probably the reason why legalization is taking so long to happen on a federal level is because you're seeing a decrease in other traditional industries. So Canada did see a rise in other sectors though. So it's not like because cannabis is legalized, we're we're automatically gonna see a decrease in other industries. We're also seeing an increase. So the increase in Canada seen is in the sectors as follows. Wholesale trade went up 1.1% over the year of legalization. Real estate has risen 4.2%. And retail trade has risen 0.6%. But no sector has reached a double digit growth since the since the legalization of cannabis however it's still noted that we've seen sectors like a wholesale trade or wholesalers now take part in legalization so then not, not only is the cannabis being sold but it's the packaging that the cannabis goes in it's the multiple uh, multiple of other things that are sold at wholesale level that facilitates the sale of cannabis i'm sure i'm sure wholesale uh shelving wholesale things that are needed for dispensaries in, in canada i'm sure wholesale. Uh, office supplies are increased because you have more people who are now entering a new business uh, and need these business materials to conduct their legal cannabis business. Real estate, of course, we've seen real estate increase. People are buying up places in order to grow their cannabis. People are buying up commercial real estate that was probably a tax, a, a tax office or a jewelry store, and now is turning that into a dispensary. We've seen that even here in the United States but we are still seeing a decline in traditional industries like mining, construction, and manufacturing. Now, the story continues. Canadian industries will likely be able to maintain its growth as the nation plans on legalizing edibles and other, quote-unquote, alternative cannabis products. Now, we've seen this added $8.26 billion in the Canadian GDP without edibles and other alternative cannabis products being legalized now that's concentrates uh topicals and of course edibles and we know how people love edibles and we know people love topicals you know if you're an athlete if you're someone that just works out normally or if you're getting up there in age and your knee is hurting a little bit more than it should like I myself am surprised that at only at the age of 25 am I experiencing the weather before it actually happens like I was once you for some reason when I hit 25 it's like my body said all right yo you're getting old now let me just teach you what's what's to come so, you know, here in uh Florida, it rains a lot, right? And some days it's, it's like a big downpour. It finishes in 15 minutes and you look up, and you wonder, Was it even raining in the first place? Because it's so hot that the sun evaporates all the water that was on the ground. But that's no here, no there. The point is I could feel the weather before it came in one of my knees, you know, ex-ball players, so my knees is feeling, you know, the effects of playing basketball on on the hard floor and on the asphalt concrete floor up in new york city for all you guys that play basketball outside you know exactly what i'm talking about it's not the friendliest of places to play no type of shock absorption but with that being said these cannabis topicals can be used to treat things just like that joints pain and of course, concentrates, you know how big of an industry concentrates is? Concentrates right now are the biggest and most profitable parts of the industry in California and Colorado. Just imagine what's gonna happen once you have legalization on a national level and how Canada is gonna react when they have cannabis concentrates available for everybody. Now, consulting firm D- Deloitte estimates that, uh, or estimates rather, that alternative cannabis products could add 2.7 billion A year to the space. Now, as we mentioned in the last cannabis news now episode where we mentioned about 40 billion dollar industry, you know, come 2024, which is not too long away It's what less than five years because we're about to hit 2020 2.7 seems a bit low. $2.7 $2.7 billion from only edibles, topicals, and concentrates. I think it's going to be much more than that. And we've shown in that last episode how figures that predicts things seem like a grandiose number, a gassed up number. Like someone just put it up there for investors to salivate once they have it on a, on a, on a PowerPoint. But we've shown that cannabis has exceeded most of the predictions that it has had. Because I don't think people really realize how large of an industry cannabis can be. You know, most people that answer these surveys and these tests and, you know, these these uh, focus groups, they don't really they aren't really honest. Some people are still kind of scared to be honest about cannabis because they don't know if their name is being attached to their answer. So continuing on statistics in Canada found that cannabis industry added. Now, this is a joy to my heart. And especially since we had episodes ago where we helped you guys on how to find a cannabis job. Okay. so Canada, Canada has added 6,570 jobs from the same month last year. So that's going to be October 2018. Representing a fourfold increase in the amount of jobs in Canada. What? 6,000 jobs, 6.5 thousand jobs was added in Canada. I'm sure that number is counting and adding every single day. Of those jobs, 60% were cultivation, harvesting, harvesting, Processing, manufacturing, and administration. Okay, again, Canada has added 6.5 thousand jobs in the same month last year, which is October 2018, and that represents a fourfold increase. And of those jobs, of those 6.5 thousand, 60% were cultivation, harvesting, processing, manufacturing, and administration. So, listen, those things i just mentioned those sectors there's our, there's jobs everywhere not only in canada but also here in the states if you love cultivation if you have a green thumb you really enjoy that aspect of cannabis of really nurturing life in a way where you can produce cannabis buds that can hopefully nurture someone else's life then cultivation's for you you know harvesting if you're interested in you know putting together greenhouses and you know putting together or put it, putting together, you know, natural organic soil, like our buddies out in Oregon, Deschutes uh, grower whatever they're called, I really forget the name, it's so late in the, in the night, but as we mentioned on Instagram, probably like two years ago, or a year, year and a half ago, we showed you guys how this company in Oregon literally manufactured their soil from scratch, I mean, from putting in the right earthworms, putting in ladybugs, you know, putting in uh, certain minerals that they want for their cannabis, cocoa this and cocoa that, I mean if you enjoy processing which is something that really you know caused my eye processing where you can get cannabis in raw form whether it be the trim whether it be the biomass and then buy these machines and make sure that you feed these machines to produce either cbd oil cbd isolate thc oil THC distillate i mean solventless hash the list goes on and on in the concentrates you can make live resin butter shatter i mean it's a large large sector you know, manufacturing, creating new products, ma- managing the mass production of cannabis. I mean, look, I know you guys are are anti big corporations. You're anti-government. That's what the cannabis industry is overall. We kind of have this rebellious spirit. We kind of have this, you know, renegade. So in order to be a, a part of the cannabis community, you have to have a bit of renegade in you. You have to have that bit of edge to say, I'm going to smoke weed even though it's illegal and I'm going to drive high even though there's cops sitting right behind me. You know, there has that level of warrior spirit that's in the cannabis industry that that you can transfer into the legal cannabis industry. Because if you know it's gonna be corporate anyway, you know it's gonna be big manufacturing, why not do a job in the industry that you love? Right now, of course, people out there love drinking and they're not working in the alcohol industry, but I'm pretty sure those people go to wine tasting and they're centralized around that, you know, culture. And of course, administration, because we need people to run these companies. We need accountants. We need, you know, HR. We need managers. We need CEOs. We need CMOs, CFOs, financial officers. We need all of those things, board members. And so those are the jobs that are being added in Canada. And just imagine the amount of jobs being added here in a legal, fully legal United States. 6.5, 6.5 that's nothing I predict probably hundreds of thousands hundreds of thousands of jobs will be added once cannabis is fully legalized and including the sectors of cultivation harvesting processing and manufacturing now 20% of what I mentioned 20% of the 6.5 thousand jobs were packaging marketing and sales sectors so if I would have myself choose a sector to be a part of in a cannabis industry it would have to be marketing uh, manufacturing and processing you know processing, Cannabis to create a product, manufacturing that product, and then essentially marketing that product. Packaging is not a passion of mine, but I know it's some people's out there, which obviously include and kind of merges into marketing of designing the packaging, you know, sourcing the raw materials, and then putting the the, the products together. And of course, the sales sector, because you need people out there who are going to sell your cannabis. You need people out there who work in the dispensary, who are dealing with customers on a one-to-one basis and help them find the right product for them. You need that, and that's always gonna be here. That human touch, even though we're all losing it slowly, but surely, I don't think it's gonna go away anytime soon. Now, it's gonna dwindle in its uh, availability, but I think overall, cannabis is something that brings people together, it helps you be social, and unfortunately, even if you have some type of social anxiety, we can help you in that aspect. So, sales sector is needed. So what does this mean? What does all of what I mentioned mean? And why would I choose that to be the main story of this Cannabis News Now episode? As we've seen in states like Colorado, where when they legalize cannabis, it was predicted that, as mentioned, you know, workplace efficiencies will go down. It was predicted that the use of children having access to weed will go up. It was predicted that we will see a degrade, a, a degradation in society but we've shown that years later after Colorado have legalized, that is not the case people. That's not what we're seeing. What we're actually seeing is that the taxes that are being generated from legalization in Colorado, particularly are used to, you know, put money into anti-drug and alcohol programs to help people recover. We're seeing the money being used to help the homeless in Colorado. Now, of course they could be using a much larger, the pie, but the politicians have chosen the numbers to use. We've seen, A decrease in the amount of adults, excuse me, a decrease in the amount of children having access to cannabis because it's legalized, it's regulated, and you need a valid ID in order to go ahead and buy weed. You got to be 21 up, right? Just like we go to the club. People can have fake IDs, but for the most part, if you don't look the part of someone who's old enough and and your uh, fake ID isn't good enough, you're not getting your weed. All right? That's just people are not trying to lose their business and they're very strict about that. So I say that to say, if you can see the numbers that are occurring in Canada, our cousins up north, with Drake Rizales and the Tarantor, Taranto Ra- Raptors, forget it, that rhyme was stupid anyway. The point is, if we've seen this happening in Col- in uh, Canada, and we've seen the positivity in the statistics, not the opinion, but the statistics in Colorado, we can only imagine what's going to happen here in the United States once we reach full full legalization. All right. Imagining going right now to Vegas, where it's legalized, where there's shops literally everywhere. You can smoke on the streets if you want. It's not really it's frowned upon, but they allow it. It's a tourist city. You're there to have fun anyway. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You have places like Lowell's Cafe, which is the world's or the Americas, rather getting ahead of myself. United States first cannabis cafe where users can walk into the cafe order food, order infused foods, and also smoke the weed on the premises. Now, of course, there's other businesses similar to that one, but this is the first in its category that allows so much more freedom on its premises. I mean, just visually walking through the place, looking around, imagine walking into a place that has so nice, you know, it, excuse me, imagine walking to the place where you have hanging plants, you know, all around you, you're literally surrounded by life. You know, even a bong that you smoke out of kind of carries this lower brand of having like a brown ceramic bong, right? You're sitting down around seeing the logo of the bull, you know, kind of give that classic feeling. You're surrounded by people sitting around you doing the same thing you are. You don't have to worry about being high in public. And if anyone would recognize you, everyone around you is enjoying cannabis. Everyone around you is high. And it's a good, good good vibes all right so Lowe's cafe i cannot wait to make a trip out to la to go ahead and visit that place i think it's in hollywood anyway but still i can't wait to go to lowe's cafe i would love to bring the camera you know document it talk about the experience and the pictures look great because not only are you having a meal but you're able to get high before they give you the papers they give you the bong all you have to do is buy the weed and you're buying their weed and you're buying and you're using their products. So not only can you use the products in the cafe, you can also probably buy some merchandise that look just like what the one you use and take it home with you. I mean, yo, I mean right now this is just the beginning. It is just the beginning. Lowell's Cafe is just the start of this social scene that will be cannabis. People love to use weed. Unfortunately, when you go to weed events now, it's really just about standing up, walking around, buying your weed, probably rolling up somewhere, and then just standing up and smoking. You think people really want to stand up and smoke? No. People want to sit down, enjoy their weed, have conversations, eat food, break bread with one of their homies or family members or girlfriend, you know, and so if you or whatever your partner is, if you're listening. Don't no, trying to be uh, uh, exclusive or inclusive word, socially inclusive. I don't know. I'm not too well versed on the on, on whole wave. But the point what I'm saying is you want to be able to enjoy your cannabis comfortably. All right. You want to be able to sit down, have a meal, get the munchies, probably order again. So lower cafe is doing a damn thing. They have been doing it for a while by creating one of the best pre roasts in the industry. They have great branding. They even use biodegradable packaging. I mean, if that's not a brand that I see that's connected to the cannabis industry or, or cannabis community effectively, who else is, you know, the cannabis community is one to understand and not bring outside business practices into, cause you're not going to be as successful. You know, like I was, I was listening to a podcast where they mentioned how, uh, edibles equate to what, less than 5% of annual sales in the cannabis industry, yet flour is, flour and concentrates dominate the industry. Because let's be real, it's cute that you create a nice, you know, edible Listerine tab that you put in your tongue and you can get high or a lip balm that you can put on your lips and get high. But let's be honest, if we wanna get high, we're gonna buy some fire-ass nugs, some fire-looking flour, and we're gonna grind it up and, and smoke it or put in our bowl or whichever way you choose, okay? We're gonna get our concentrates. We're gonna dab it. We're gonna put our concentrates on our joints. We're gonna have our concentrates and use it the way we want to. And I see Lowell Cafe doing the same thing. They're not creating these products that are cute, new, you know, gimmick. They're just straight to the point. We love to to smoke weed. We all smoke joints, so why not create joints that are fire, all right? And different. I mean, they even have high CBD variety joints where not everybody wants to get high up their mind like myself. We just wanna get on that level to be relaxed and chill. And I say that to say once cannabis is fully legalized, we're going to blow this $8.26 billion out the water. We're going to see numbers upwards of $20 billion, And as we reported, a $40 billion industry come 2024. So I tell you this, if you are listening, chances are you're either a part of the cannabis industry or you want to be a part of the cannabis industry. Listen keenly to what's happening in Canada. Watch closely as to how their society is reacting. They're enjoying cannabis. They're using it responsibly. The workplace sees literally no Change in the work quality of their users, even if they work, even if they smoke weed, they're not not showing up to work. They're actually, you know, being productive, and they have no detriment on the job overall. And if you're a politician, and you're listening, or you know a politician, someone who has any type of effect in the laws being made, like a lobbyist, just know cannabis is doing well in Canada as fully legalized throughout the country. Now, of course, the United States is probably going to take it the route of the McDonald's and franchise and, you know, big money is going to be poured into it because we already seen it happen. Just wait. It's coming. All right. Imagine going to Applebee's and instead of ordering one of the Bahama Mama drinks, you're getting like an infused drink or some type of infused uh, a 21 plus menu with infused foods. I'm telling you, the way CBD is so ubiquitously available, it's so widely Everywhere, I mean, I drive Florida for some reason has an excess amount of sex shops, right? And I haven't seen that this many sex shops in my life, and I grew up in New York. All right, Tom Square used to have a little weird section with the peep show and stuff. I mean, I thought that was crazy, but Florida got a lot of sex shops. And as I'm driving on the road and I look to my right and I see this sex shop, they sell CBD, gas stations, CBD. I literally just went to Walmart and they're selling like some BS C B D product. But the reason why they're doing it is because people love it. People, some people actually need it. And of course, you don't want to take all these for some for pharmaceutical drugs. You don't want to damage your liver, damage your kidney. You want to be able to take your cannabis that has the least amount of side effects and live happily. OK, live happy, live healthy cannabis. Sounds like some commercial, right? Like some Allstate guy, live happy, live healthy cannabis. <laughs> coming to a city near you. Oh, man. So, yo, shout out to Canada, man. You guys are definitely releasing this this data that's going to not only help the United States, but it's going to help all the uh, nations around the world see how beneficial cannabis is, not only on a monetary level with an 8.26 billion, but also seeing how much more it has to grow. Because all these stats that I'm saying, all these jobs that were created weren't even when concentrates and edibles existed. So you chefs out there who took your time out to get Accreditedly, accreditedly, to get officially trained as a chef. Took your time out to study the game of gastronomy. And you can cook up a mean meal. All you got to do is infuse some cannabis, baby. Some cannabis butter, some cannabis oil with some MCT or coconut oil. You're good to go. You can even infuse it with olive oil, uh, sunflower oil. I mean, the list goes on and on. There is a opening for everybody. There is a opportunity for everybody. but You got to ask yourself, how hard are you reaching? Are you just settling with where you are now? Are you just like, ah, oh, well, you know, weed is legalized. I'll just get high and that's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to be in the industry, are you taking the steps towards it? Are you listening to the episode where it says how to get a cannabis job and following some of those steps, which aren't even really difficult, right? Are you figuring out ways to even create your own cannabis business as we, as we mentioned in the last few episodes? You know, are you researching the laws? Are you familiar with your local government? Are you knowing people already in the industry that can give you tips and heads up and help you avoid problems you may face? It's really up to you and it's really up to us who love cannabis, are part of the cannabis community and wants to join it one day to do our due diligence for ourselves, for cannabis and find a way to join. Because the train has not only left the station, it looks like it kicked up the gears and is going on 10, all right? Like the train is zipping by stops. Like it's not waiting on anybody, it's going. And unfortunately we are seen the billions of dollars being poured in and we see how hard it is for the average Joe to join the cannabis industry. But it doesn't mean you can't build a brand. That doesn't mean you can't build a fan, fanship. We're seeing brands out in California who are all illegal businesses that uh, got their license, only got their license and probably was paid by the company to get acquired by a larger one. We're seeing consolidation. So you can create a cannabis brand, a cannabis company. It doesn't have to be growing. It doesn't have to be selling something to get you high. It could be ancillary cannabis business. You know, the POS system is something that's very much needed in cannabis because it's a bit different. You have all these strains, you know, you have all these individual users. You want to save the user who bought a particular strain and you want to implement a software that can be used by dispensaries on a wide scale. You know, we have delivery businesses, okay? We have trash and waste cannabis businesses that are doing pretty well, producing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in revenue, because guess what? Cannabis produces garbage, too. So get creative, be determined and get shit done. That's how you got to interpret this information. You don't have to. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Even though it sound like it sound like I'm getting preachy, I could tell. I could feel the vibes, preachy vibes, like white collar the neck vibe. How do preachers get the white collar in the t-shirt in the in a little dress shirt? I always wanted that. You know, is it like the white collar separate, or is it something that you just put on? Because there's no buttons on the top collar, It's just like right there. Random, random late night question. But either way, this has been an episode of High TV. And uh, I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're coming back. I'm seeing you guys really enjoy the content, so I'm putting more out there. As Instagram tries to silence our page by shadow banning us, limiting the amount of people that can reach the cannabis news, info, and knowledge, we're going to go ahead and double down on the podcast. Because the podcast is much more freedom, okay? It's much more spread out, you know? And, and, and more people that listen, is the more people that might tell a friend, that might tell a friend, that might tell a friend. That might tell a friend. So again, this has been Cannabis News Now. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and stay high, folks. Hi, TV. And before we go be careful of these black market vapes. I'm, I'm so serious. The number was six when we were originally recorded, but the number has now dropped or doubled up to 15. And they're saying that a predominant amount of these deaths are caused by the fake marijuana THC carts. That hot dog water, that nasty, nasty distillate. Like the stuff that you buy and it look like it's black tar like it looked more like heroin than it does than it does cannabis. Don't smoke it, okay? Those smart carts that you buy that's like $20 a piece, don't buy those. I mean, they found vitamin E vitamin E acetate in that cart. You could literally buy smart carts from DHL or Alibaba, which is a wholesale website that we can buy stuff for your business. Right? It comes empty, you can fill them up yourself. Now, of course, there's people out there who buy the real distillate and fill it up themselves and create a good business, but right now it's too risky. You know, you don't, you don't really wanna risk it on that. So enjoy your flower, buy your safe from a reputable source who you know Bobby goes to California, goes to Colorado, hits up Washington, Oregon, buys this stuff wholesale, and then sells it here at retail price. I trust that m- more than I do some other stuff, I'm telling you. So are vaporizers safe? Can't say that. But will all vaporizers kill you? They definitely won't. But the ones you gotta avoid are the black market, unregulated, untested vaporizers. Keep yourself safe. Live a long life, because we got a lot more episodes of content for you. Stay tuned and stay high. Hi TV. <laughs> Yo, how many how many goodbyes am I about to say? Anyway, see you next week.